We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm Adam McGee. And I'm Andrew Snyder. And you're listening to Captured Celluloid on Make Time for This, probably a part of the Eurostep Podcast Network and the Blue Wire Podcast family. We're here once again to talk about movies. Uh, it's one of the best times of the year for releases. Lots of stuff that I guess is going to go down in the record books is the films of 2022. Some of them, the awards winners of 2022, still coming thick and fast, still making their way to theaters still on mine and Andrew's individual hit list to see before the year is up. But also, it's time to start looking ahead to the year 2023, and that's what we're going to do on this episode. First and foremost, Andrew Snyder, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, I'm looking forward ahead to all the movies that I'll be catching up on in 2024, as I catch up on movies <laughs> from 2022 and 2023. So it's a lot of uh, looking backwards, looking ahead. It's a chaotic time for me, as you know. These really, truly could be your like January 2024 movies. That's really what we're saying. Uh, but no, we're going to talk about some of our most eagerly awaited, most anticipated movies of 2023. In part because one of the things that we often hear from listeners is, whenever possible could you let us know what's coming next what's coming next so we know ahead of time so we can be ready for that episode i think an extension of that is to maybe look ahead in the year on a whole and prep some people for movies that we're interested in that hopefully if they pan out like we'd like to think so may well be the subjects of episodes over the course of the year at a quick glance, Andrew, you've, I'm sure, been perusing some lists. This is a common article for all kinds of major movie and culture publications at this time of year. What sense have you got for what 2023 seems to be shaping up as, as a movie year? What do you think of the, the calendar based on what you've seen? I mean, we've got some all-time heavy hitter directors dropping things. We've got some action blockbusters. Similar in uh, company from ones that may have dominated 2022, just in a different fashion or format. Um, what my lists have been limited by 
are I I I'm I don't have the sense for where of where are the smaller movies that I tend to gravitate toward like where are the after suns in in this year and the ones that are going to grab me like that that's what I still don't have a sense of but um there are some things I mean I was really just like I there are things that I knew of being in existence the heavy hitters that we'll talk about I'm sure at least in honorable mentions and then there were some that I didn't know existed or had forgotten existed until doing this process and I was like this could be really good this could be really terrible but I'm really intrigued by it all so I'm still I'm still coming to grips with what I think this next year is going to be if you knew of the after sun of 2023 was going to be you'd be a very wealthy man you'd be like head of a studio right now because the reality is wait. nobody nobody knows what that is yet at least not till i mean sundance is coming up very very soon maybe it could come from there although that's become increasingly rare that sundance is the place to kind of launch those movies um but the reality is that this the after sun of 2023 to use that as a specific example, maybe an unknown more generally right now. It could be something that will be snapped up by a distributor um, after an overwhelming response to it when it premieres at some festival. So don't beat yourself I up on not being on top of that one yet. I also don't know what the whale of 2023 is. So I'll keep you posted if I have any hunches after festival <laughs> season. I've yet to see the whale of 2022. It has not been released to my part of the world. So I don't even know what the whale of 2022 is yet, technically. I have an idea, uh, but I don't know for sure. My my overall impression, and this is dangerous territory to get in. It could also be a case of setting yourself up for disappointment. I think it's a real heavyweight year. This has the potential to be something where if a lot of these top-end films pan out, then you get some nice surprises that we're not even going to be thinking about yet. Um, Something that is, I guess, maybe akin to 2019. 2019's, I think, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite, that kind of year. Um, We talk about this regularly. I kind of feel like every year is a good year for movies, and if you see enough movies that's the experience you're going to have. You're going to find the really good things. But when some of these premises kind of get lined up and you look through them side by side and some of the directors and kind of combinations of casts and crews, you're like, okay, this year could be pretty special. And I also think it could be kind of special because I think there's got kind of four quadrants elements to it. Not that, there are a ton of films that are going to work for everyone, but I think there's potential for some really big and really good blockbusters, um, as well as some really kind of high-end art house movies, some really kind of high-end crowd-pleasing, perhaps awards-body-pleasing dramas for master filmmakers. On paper, it's kind of got it all. Um, we just need it to deliver. We need at least a good chunk of these films to live up to what we all imagine them to be in our minds or to surpass that level, which is no small feat, never an easy thing. But here is hoping. All right. What I asked you to do, Andrew, is to draft up a top five list. I know that's not easy. Uh, I shortlisted mine down to probably like 20 something movies um, and have made the cut to five we'll talk honorable mentions other films we're excited about at the end 
Well, let's start at number five. What's your fifth most anticipated movie of 2023? Uh, I didn't do these in order, but now I will in my oh, mind wow. switch them around. One is one uh, that I won't have to, to wait for long because it's coming out at the end of January. I'll put this at number five, but it's Brandon Cronenberg's Infinity Pool. Uh, it's coming out at the end of January? In the USA, it's... I, I don't believe out. it is. I believe it okay. is premiering at Sundance. So okay, you're gonna have to wait. I'm sorry. It's, it's given me a sh- it's given me a showtime. Wow. At the Cinemark Raleigh Grand, January 26th. Oh, it's it's premiering at Sundance, and five days later, it's on. Well, I was gonna say wide release. I think that is probably a misnomer for a Brandon Cronenberg movie, but it will be on uh, <laughs> limited release in major cities show America after that. So yeah, you're right. Uh I had not seen a Cronenberg film until our Cronenberg podcast. Anti-viral. Brandon Cronenberg. Just to... Yes, Brand, Brandon Cronenberg. Uh Antiviral and Possessor were both really effective in what they were trying to get across. And that has me in on what this next one is, starring Alexander Skarsgard. Do I give the tagline or do I uh Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Okay. It's... Synopsis, so, tagline, whatever, whatever you've got for for these. So, basically, what I've gleaned from some of the things that I've read here, and I'm clicking on this. Um, oh, oh wow, this was not what I'd read elsewhere. But the premise on Wikipedia: a rich couple are on vacation in Lee Tolka at an all-inclusive island resort, but outside the hotel gates, something more dangerous lies. Alexander Skarsgård, uh, Mia Goth uh, from X and Pearl this most recent year. Uh, I've got a know. different I'm... synopsis I can give you, which might have been the one you're thinking of. Yes. Uh, is it the one that it's was guided guided by a seductive? No. What What's happening? Well, I mean, I think it gets to, or maybe, maybe you've just spoiled something of a movie that none of us have seen yet. I don't know. This synopsis is guided by a seductive and mysterious woman, a couple on vacation venture outside the resort grounds and find themselves in a culture filled with violence, hedonism, and untold horror. A tragic accident soon leaves them facing a zero tolerance policy for crime. Either you'll be executed or if you're rich enough to afford it, you can watch yourself die instead. Yes, that is that is the in essence the synopsis that I heard. But Brandon Cronenberg doing that, I'll watch it and see how it shakes out. I'm intrigued. I'm ready to be horrified. Um like I I don't know. Uh I, I heard that uh for its initial final cut it was gonna receive an N C seventeen rating, Neon appealed, and then it had to be recut, and now it's got its R rating. So we'll see what happens. Mm. The re-editing is interesting on that. I'm trying to think, like, if I'm guessing, I mean, even studio like Neon and distributor like Neon are pretty averse to NC-17. It's still seen as a, a debt knell in the US in a way that I don't think it is anywhere else. I think a movie like this would probably get extra cred and draw in a bigger section of a different audience by being NC-17 in some parts of the world. It still doesn't feel like that way in the US. Uh, this film I was not I mean we did a Brandon Cronenberg pod around Possessor um, 
and I'm intrigued by him without being like, oh, that's my guy, Brandon Cronenberg. So I was aware this was coming, and I wasn't really anticipating it all that much until I heard the synopsis. And when I heard the premise, I was like, oh, this is my White Lotus. This is the White Lotus for <laughs> me. Uh, everyone else is having fun on that version of the, the resort kind of holiday. This is this is the one I'm looking forward to. Um, yeah, it sounds sounds really interesting. And he is someone that I, I think it's just a matter of time. We're going to see him level up and level up and level up. And something really major is probably going to drop at some point. Some people might feel like he's already done that. Um, I'm intrigued. Actually, very pleased to know this is coming as soon as it is, although... It coming for you that soon does not mean it's necessarily coming for me, but I look forward to catching this one in 2023 for sure. Number five for me is a film by uh up-and-coming director by the name of David Fincher. It is called The Killer. It is a neo-noir action thriller starring Michael Fassbender and Tilda Swinton. Uh Adapted by Andrew Kevin Walker, longtime on-off collaborator of Fincher, the writer of the screenplay for Seven. Um, he wrote this one based on a French graphic novel. The synopsis I'll give you is from the, the graphic novel because Netflix haven't got to the point of really teasing too much yet. They did release a first production still of Michael Fassbender in a car. That's really all that was. Um, but it Nice first look to know this thing is, you know, it's it's in motion. Production has wrapped. It was shot in Paris. The synopsis of the graphic novel was a man, solitary and cold, methodical and unencumbered by scruples or regrets. The killer waits in the shadows, watching for his next target. And yet the longer he waits, the more he thinks he's losing his mind, if not as cool. A brutal, bloody and stylish noir story of a professional assassin lost in a world without a moral compass this is a case study of a man alone, armed to the teeth, and slowly losing his mind. That feels like return to like David Fincher, like the David Fincher that I'm most interested in. Um, there are exceptions to that, and I have enjoyed some of the other things. When we did our Fincher deep dive, I think one of the most pleasant surprises for both of us was how much we responded to the curious case of Benjamin Button, for example. Um, the Social Network obviously stands out as a movie that's not just like people who are hardcore Fincher fans, but as one of the kind of biggest mainstream dramas of the 21st century that everyone kind of latched on and adopted as, oh, this is a great movie. Part of that was the subject matter, but I do think there was more. Mank was something I enjoyed very much when I first watched it. I enjoyed considerably less when I watched it a second time, and I haven't really thought a whole lot about it since. And this is just so much truer to, like, if you want to go to the likes of Seven, that's fine. I think that's an obvious place you can go to with the Andrew Kevin Walker collaboration again. Uh, Zodiac is by a long, long distance my favorite Fincher movie. But even I think a lot of what works in Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, I think a, a movie that we both responded to very well in that rewatch process also um, or even some of the elements of Gone Girl, like that, I think really kind of shocked people and brought a, a wider audience to a place where they're engaging that film in a different way. I think that all feels like it should be 
in this movie and this premise. And Fassbender has been busy like being a rally driver or a touring car driver. I think he raced at Le Mans in recent years. There hasn't been enough Fassbender in movies. Hasn't been enough of him in really good movies with great directors. So I'm very, very excited for this in a way that I probably haven't been for Fincher's last two movies. Certainly not for Mank. Um, this just feels like it's what he does best. It's really the thing that he specializes in. Um, even maybe bring us closer to some of what he did in the episodes he directed. And obviously the overall vision he promoted on Mindhunter, which is a show I loved and that is deeply, deeply unsettling. So I, I think this is the best version of Fincher, and I'm excited to see what the killer looks like. I'm always down for a David Fincher film. Uh, and I think uh, his films, when they're in the darkness, are very compelling. And uh, I'm excited to see what, what that looks like with Michael Fassbender, who's a guy that can go dark. Yes, yes, he can. Yes, he can. He's done that before. And uh, I'm going to guess he's doing it again for this one. All right, Andrew, you're number four. Uh, <laughs> on a recent podcast, there was an actor that I said, you know what? I really love his choices. I love the decisions he's making about his career. Uh, All right. And that's Tim- I know where this that's, is going. That's Timothy Chalamet, uh, directed by Paddington's own Paul King, is Timothy Chalamet in Wonka. The story will focus specifically on a young Willy Wonka and how he met the Oopa Loopas on one of his earliest adventures. It's got Chalamet, Olivia Coleman, uh, Killer Cast. Yeah, Sally Hawkins all the way down. Uh, they've been, I think his co-stars have been just raving about his performance in this. And am I someone, Adam, that... Uh, was really, really just needing another Willy Wonka film in the world. No, I was not. But the weirdness and me not knowing what this is going to be and what it's going to look like just has me so intrigued. December 15th, 2023. So we've got a little bit of a wait, but I'm all in and just trying to give myself over to this beautiful masterpiece or beautiful disaster or whatever it may be. I would have, I mean, I don't really have zero interest in any film, so that would be uh, disingenuous of me to say. I would have close to zero interest in this if it was not for the fact that Paul King is directing it. Uh, Paul King proved himself to be something of a genius within a certain sphere, a certain type of filmmaking with his work on Paddington and Paddington 2. Um, this film is not just directed by him, it sees him re-team with Simon Farnaby who was his co-writer on the Paddington films as well personally I, I wish he had staged to direct Paddington Tree we'll see how that one plays out I believe in 2024 Um, but I believe in King and the kind of vision he has your point from that previous podcast on Chalamet I think is well made and worth keeping in mind here he doesn't just have to do anything he doesn't have to be like, oh, wow, someone's offering me like a role in what could be a big studio movie. I better take that. He kind of has his pick of any one of those right now. So for him to decide he wants to be in this one, I'm sure some of that speaks to Paul King, but it may also speak to that particular script. 
interesting that it is a prequel. Encouraging. I've never felt the need to be like, oh, I I want to see a prequel. But in this case, at least it frees them up to kind of create a world and tell their story. And it could be really good. It could be really good. It could be disastrous, I think, like the Tim, Tim Burton uh, adaptation of, well, well, we'll say Venture Into This World was. Um, Young Wonka in particular is not something I'd ever really considered, but I do believe in a lot of the people involved here. So, much more so than just benefit of the doubt. Um, I, I think there's there's enough here where I'm like, okay, um, this this could be something that is really really worth our time, and is not just kind of a run of the mill thing. Also, I'm one thing that has caught my attention too. Um, cinematographer on this is Chung Chong Hoon, who has had a pretty mixed run of things in recent years. But Chung Chun Hoon is probably best known as really the regular collaborator and cinematographer of Park Chan Wook in the early years of his career. Um, shot Old Boy, shot Lady Vengeance, I'm a Cyborg, but that's okay. Thirst, Stoker, and The Handmaiden, which is about as good as any film ever looks. So some real, real talent there too. Also shot a couple of... Uh, Last Shadow Puppets music videos, which is maybe like there's definitely some worlds colliding in terms of, you know, Ayoade's connection to that and Alex Turner, how all of that comes together there. But um, yeah, I I think that's uh, that's a, an interesting pick. And it's one that I think you may end up looking like a genius for putting that in your five by the time we circle back to this next year. Seriously, you could. Like, what if it's like Paddington 2? What if, Adam? What if? We've got a while. That's what you're betting on. Did you pick it in part because it was so far away that no one could possibly remember, you know, oh, it's just come out and people are going to be like, I mean, it's it really it's the opposite to Infinity Pill in a way. Yeah, and uh, in a few weeks, people can be be like, why were you looking forward to that? And so I needed to balance them out, I guess, is what it was. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Back over to my list, Andrew. Number four. I'm going with a, a movie that is... I th- I feel like it's approaching a quarter of this a quarter of a century in the making. Um, it has gone through many 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 iterations. Um, it's been a passion project of a couple of notable directors, and a passion project of the, the director who is finally going to release it into the world for quite some time now. The film I'm talking about is Michael Mann's Ferrari. I don't know how aware you are of Ferrari yet, Andrew. Uh, I think you I know just learned existence? about it. I learned about right. it last okay. podcast, yeah. Oh, I was, right. Well, I was going to ask you, did you know who was playing Enzo Ferrari? But then it did come up in a, a previous episode. So He's the second actor with the Chalamet pairing where I'm like, I love what this guy's <laughs> doing. So this is great. Yeah, I mean, Driver does not really have to pick things that aren't just, oh, you know, all-time great director. We're getting very few instances where he doesn't do that. And yes, as I did allude to on the previous episode, he's got one of those coming up, which is all the more interesting for the fact of, hold on a minute, if Adam Driver is doing this, is there should we be circling it in a different way? Ferrari's not that, though. Ferrari is very kind of classically in line with Driver has been doing. Um, he is playing Enzo Ferrari. The premise of this Ferrari movie is that it follows the life of Italian driver and entrepreneur Enzo Ferrari in 1957 as he deals with family problems while also preparing for the 1957 Mila Miglia. I think is how that's pronounced, Andrew. Um, Penelope Cruz co-stars as Laura Ferrari, Shailene Woodley, uh, Gabriel Leon, Sarah Gadon, Gadon. I'm always unsure how to pronounce her name, but speaking of Cronenbergs, um, is also in the cast here. Jack O'Connell, Patrick Dempsey, Eric Messerschmidt, um, speaking of Fincher, regular Fincher collab- collaborator and the cinematographer for Mank and Gone Girl and worked on Mindhunter. He is the cinematographer for this film. I just, man is one of those directors and he's kind of one of the last of that generation that it feels like his films are largely kind of acceptable enough that he is getting $90 million to make this movie. um, Or that he has got, I should say, because it is wrapped. He has not made a film since Black Hat, which Black Hat has, to say a cult following would really be understating it. It's a film I have not connected with. Completely baffles me, but seems to be the charm of it for others. Um, but going back to, I guess, from Heat in 95, True to, then you go The Insider in 99, Ali 2001, Collateral 04, Miami Vice 2006. He was on a heater. Um, and I mean, I could add in Last Mohicans, Manhunter. Saw the keep for the first time recently, was it? crazy about that teeth is an all-time classic there are very few directors like michael mann out there very few films look like michael mann's films look have that kind of energy that pacing that propulsion and i think this is a really interesting subject matter for him and i'm 
I'm very excited to see not just what this movie looks like, but how it feels and kind of how man imposes himself on this particular story. So I think this is going to be more than the not really looking to just have a drive-by on this movie because it was perfectly entertaining and I enjoyed it at the time, but something like Ford v. Ferrari, which is kind of pretty by the numbers here's a biopic slash sports movie. Um, I think this could reach for something that's a little bit more than that because of the Michael Mann of it all. So I'm excited to to see this one. It's been a film that's talked about for a long, long time. It seems like 2023, we're finally going to get to see it. Yeah, I'm in. For the driver alone, uh, I- I'm locked in. I'm ready for it. Uh, that podcast, we're going to go over 200 miles per hour. Yeah, we're going to do a Michael Mann episode this year. That's for sure. A, a reason to do a Michael Mann episode. We could have done one for Heat 2 if either of us were good at you know starting or finishing books. But that is an obstacle to Heat 2 for us. But maybe by the time the Mann pod comes around, we'll bother check that out. Andrew, number three for you. Number three for me is Bo is Afraid, the next film by Ari Aster. Uh, it's also also number three for me, by the way. Oh well, uh, we're in lockstep. Go 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 ahead, launch into no, it. No, no, no. You probably have a better uh, synopsis than I do. No, you go, you go. What you've got? Let's, we're in this together. Bo is afraid is described as a decade-spanning surrealist horror film set in an alternate present. Phoenix plays an extremely anxious but pleasant-looking man who has a fraught relationship with his overbearing mother and never knew his father. When his mother dies, he makes a journey home that involves some wild supernatural threats. Joaquin Phoenix starring in this. We got Nathan Lane, Patty Lapone, Amy Ryan, Parker Posey, who I, I'm like, I'm all in on Parker Posey, uh, mid-90s, Adam. She was a superstar in the making, and not to say that she hasn't had a good career for, you know, anyone that can successfully have a career making movies and tv shows or whatever great i wanted more for parker posey justice for parker posey um but yeah i'm ari aster obviously hereditary midsommar makes <laughs> deeply upsetting uh horror films and what something starring joaquin phoenix yeah you had me at hello adam yeah um there's so much around this to be excited about and to be curious about in a larger sense this movie was supposed to be a 2022 movie uh, up until very recently it was known as disappointment boulevard there had been reports of test screenings um with the studio which is a 24 and aster as i think he had promised really when he was doing press for hereditary people were asking well what do you got next or what's your next idea he had described it as a four-hour movie and supposedly true to his word, um, he had produced a four-hour cut and was refusing to budge on that. I don't know if he has. <laughs> I haven't heard any further updates on this. Um, I do think the poster that A24 released, very weird poster, just in Joaquin Phoenix looking like the movie name, um, but I do also think is kind of intentionally showcasing this young version of Joaquin Phoenix. I think we're going to see, it says decade spanning. We might see uh, even further than that. I 
don't know. A lot of this is very tightly kind of kept under wraps. Um, I also like. I don't know if this is a horror. I the the thing that Astor had originally been describing it as is a nightmare comedy, and when someone like him says that, that probably does mean it's going to be horrifying to normal people. But I don't know for sure. Like. I don't have a handle on exactly what this is, and that is part of what's most exciting about it. Um, it's the people involved. I mean, I, I do think the general premise sounds great. Like, yeah, okay, I'm into that. I'm particularly into that when the lead is Joaquin Phoenix, and it's directed by Ari Aster. Like, that's sign me up. I don't know. Like, this could be this could be the absolutely gigantic swing. And miss that has possibly been coming for Aster. Um, I'm thinking about some of the response, for example, someone like Damien Chazelle's getting for Babylon at the moment for seemingly making something massively unwieldy and significant and bloated as of our recording. Neither of us have seen it yet. Um, excited too, really, just because of just how polarizing that film has been. But it does seem like at a certain point, if you build up enough kind of cachet you can be like all right here's my idea this is what i'd really like to make and someone goes okay and then they have to uh release the results <laughs> and people have to digest it and i wonder is this going to be the thing that's really going to break like if midsummer didn't to some extent already people who saw hereditary and were like oh this is my new favorite horror director i think this could well move in some different ways and it could be horrifying in a very kind of in a different sense to what people are expecting or what they're used to. But this sounds like a really, really juicy Joaquin Phoenix part. And on its own, I think that would be enough to kind of land it as a highly anticipated film for us. Let's keep it moving. Up to number two on your list, Andrew. All right. I'm uh, going with Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer. Um, Adam, <laughs> I'm I'm a man who doesn't sleep well. The other night, I find, found myself in a YouTube rabbit hole about Oppenheimer, the Manhattan Project, and what resulted. I watched all that, got very sad, and then became fascinated by the man at the center. Um, because what was he, did he call himself the, like the, I am death become or, or whatever he said, uh, whatever he was quoting. He's a man who is responsible for a lot of deaths. And how does one get to that point from a scientific perspective and then reconcile the feelings of living? With I'll give you, what you oh, I got to give you the quote. Cause I thought I had okay. it and I do have it for sure. Cause I am death become is a very like Yoda esque way to put the quote. So. <laughs> Uh, now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds, is in fact. Off an honor's quote. My bad. But, yeah, it's just like uh, to be involved with something just so utterly horrifying as like a scientist and all that. It, it's kind of just a fascinating psychological character study for me. Um, and also, I love Christopher Nolan's movies. I mean, Tenet, I think, was something that I was looking forward to and then I was skeptical of and then ended up really enjoying. And 
now it's what's next. I love Killian Murphy. I think him as like a leading man is just really works. I think he's he's built for it. Uh, I'm a fan of Piggy Blinders uh, and other stuff. He's obviously worked with Nolan before and uh, smaller roles, but for him to be the star of the show, I'm really excited about that. Great cast, Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr., Florence Pugh, Benny Safdie. I skipped over one um, intentionally. Um, and I, I don't know. I'm just really uh, excited for this movie because Nolan on the big screen, you know, he tried to save cinema. It didn't work, but uh, I still think uh, the day that I do the Oppenheimer Barbie double feature is going to be well worth my time and well worth your time, depending on how it all shakes out. And anytime Christopher Nolan's making a movie for the big screen, I'm I'm in. I'm saying I'm in on a lot. I'm in, Adam. I'm in for movies. That's the whole idea of this episode is that the films we're in on. This cast is insane. Like That's not a new revelation. Um, but honestly, we could name 25 to 30 names. You'd be like, oh, okay. Like, I'll, I'll just pull up the Wikipedia. Like, as kind of uncast people, you've got right at the end of the list of a very large cast, you've currently got Casey Affleck. You've got Gary Oldman as Harry S. Truman. Um, Alex Wolf is there. We don't know what his role is. Speaking of hereditary, Jason Clark, we don't know what his role is. Alden Ehrenreich, quite a few years for him, but I mean, he's technically the most recent Han Solo. Uh, yeah, wild, like wild cast. Uh, this is all my honorable mentions. I'm not overly like, I'm not this is what I pumped for, is this particular version of Noel. Um, but I'm interested in anything Chris Nolan does, so absolutely, I I'm looking forward to it. It just wouldn't be right up the top of my list based on the subject matter. Although what I've seen so far looks very promising. Um, I don't know about Nolan recreating nuclear explosions for the purposes of filming this movie. I don't know how I feel about that. Should Christopher Nolan have all that power, Andrew? Um, maybe he is death become to use your words for it but yeah I mean the other thing I'll add here is uh, is there another major movie coming out this year that I will share a plane, a plane with its lead star probably not I was on a flight with Killian Murphy earlier in the year uh, who knows maybe I'm, maybe I'm writing that possibility off too early but I'm excited for this and just to mention Killian Murphy in particular, Killian Murphy is fantastic, has been a really great actor, a really interesting actor for a long time. I think Peaky Blinders did take his career to a new level, but come on, that's TV. Let's let's see him front and center of a Christopher Nolan movie. That is the real big time, and I'm very, very happy and excited for him that he's getting that opportunity. Oh, to be on a plane with my two favorite Irishmen. <laughs> uh, okay, that's your number two. Number two for me is May-December. It is the 10th feature film from director Todd Haynes. It stars Julianne Moore and Natalie Portman. And it feels, it sounds very, very much like a kind of Todd Haynes going to the kind of space, the kind of uh, melodramatic romance where I honestly think he is 
completely unparalleled amongst working directors. I mean, the only person who would have a claim to that is Pedro Almodovar. But certainly when it comes to English language filmmakers, I think Keynes is in a class of his own. This is giving me Carol vibes. This is giving me Far From Heaven vibes. Um, May, December centers on a married couple whose lives begin to buckle under pressure when an actress arrives to research for a movie about their past, including the couple's notorious May to December tabloid romance that once gripped the nation. I just, I remember the feeling of seeing Carol for the first time and being like, Jesus, look how good this film looks. And thinking about how it felt to see that film in a theater, I think Todd Haynes is someone who can capture that kind of spirit in a way that not many filmmakers can. Uh, Julianne Moore is someone I'm basically always interested in seeing what she's doing, but I feel like this is the best project she's been attached to for a few years. That probably applies for Natalie Portman too. I think just the central idea, the the premise of this film is one that I can see being very, very interesting. And maybe this is a case where I look back on it and I'll be like, I really kind of, I overrated this in my head, but in my head I can see what this film looks like. I can see the kind of lushness of it. And if it plays out in that way, I think it could be something very, very special. Um, it's being shot by Christopher Blauvelt, who has done a lot of really interesting work recently. First Cow, mid-90s, Certain Women. He's frequent collaborator of Kelly Riker, to a close friend of Todd Haynes, and who Todd Haynes has really helped her, I guess, different her career with producing um, some of her earlier movies. Um, also, like, Camera Up on Zodiac. Did we talk about Christopher Blaufeld recently, we might have like his career starts out as a camera up Zodiac, a single man. So Fincher, Tom Ford, Spike Jones for where the wild things are, Greenberg with Baumbach. Then he does I'm Still Here, the weird Joaquin Phoenix documentary. Then he does Meek's Cutoff with Kelly Riker. Then he does Beginners with Mike Mills. Like that's really a serious run. Cinematographer on the bling ring. Like quite the resume so um he is stepping in for ed lockman who is i guess todd haynes regular cinematographer i'm excited to see what it looks like i'm excited to see that movie it just i have a feeling it's gonna be right up my street i was watching a douglas sirk movie just before we started recording i'm i'm into that if you can there are very few people who can do melodrama in a way where you're like god that works that works. It's not schlocky. It's not just kind of cheesy. Todd Haynes is one of the only people on the planet that I feel can consistently get that right. And this kind of screams the best of Todd Haynes to me. So May, December is my number two. When you said the title, I was thinking a Fear Eats Soul vibe. Um, uh, Cirque is someone I definitely need to uh, check out more. I'm trying to think if I've seen anything from Todd Haynes other than Carol. Is that and you I, that. I think you probably have. Uh, did you did you watch the Velvet Underground documentary? That was, I mean, that's his most recent movie, which was unbelievable. No, you mentioned it, and I never got around to it. Um, so probably not. Dark Waters, the Mark Ruffalo eco kind of trailer, just really good. That's his movie before that one. Um, 
you see I'm Not There? The Bob Dylan movie with all the different actors playing. I did Bob see Dylan. that. That's Todd Haynes. Shout out Kate Blanchett. Yeah, she's great. I I think Haynes is great. Like I, I really do. Um I'm I'm all in. I just I, I really kind of believe that that's gonna be a pretty special one. And we'll get to honorable mentions. There's things in their filmmakers I really, really love that will pop up there. Um, but that's the conviction I have in this particular one. Julian Moore, Natalie Portman, Todd Haynes, that as the the story for them to work with, I think we're on to a winner. All right, Andrew. You're number one. I have a feeling this is also my number one, which is could be great for efficiency, but go ahead. Let's find out. It's not. It's not. I don't think so. I, uh, okay. I decided to clear what I assumed was already on your list. It'll be in my honorable mentions. And I went with something really basic. Like I, I kept it, I kept it very simple. Um, but number one on my list, killers of the flower moon directed by Martin Scorsese. One of the best filmmakers of all time. Leo is back. Probably not as the the leading role, I think, is what rumors have come out. I mean, De Niro's in this, Jesse Plemons. Uh, Jesse uh, Jesse Plemons is the lead now. That's it, yes. That was to be De Niro, and they flipped. Uh, Brendan Fraser, John Lithgow. Uh, two of my favorite musical artist Jason Isbell and Sturgill Simpson's in supporting roles. I'm going to assume they're very, 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 very supporting, but I'm excited about that. Uh, members of the uh, Osage tribe in northeastern Oklahoma are murdered under mysterious circumstances in the 1920s, sparking a major investigation directed by 29-year-old J. Edgar Hoover and former Texas Ranger Tom White, described as an old-style lawman. So it's got that modern day Western martial vibes. Uh, it's got a great cast and it's got Martin at the helm kind of, you know, still going at it. I mean, he he's a guy who has directed some of my favorite movies of all time. And I just think some of the, the best movies of all time. And I never tire for what he has to offer. I think, uh, especially, I mean, the last four films he've done, he's done. I mean, he's a guy that people will typecast is the wrong word, but they'll say he's the guy that makes mob movies. And just like you look at his last four films and his filmography, he goes Wolf of Wall Street, Silence, The Irishman, Killers of the Flower Moon. I mean, if we want to throw Hugo and Shutter Island in there as well, that's like a, a big string of just like doing a different thing each time. Uh, he's 80 years old and he's, I want to see if the fastball is still there because I think it still was for the Irishman. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm up for Killers of the Flower Moon. I don't think Scorsese's losing the fastball ever. Uh, it's incredibly rare, but I think he's got to a point and he's of a stature where he is always going to have the greatest actors working with him, the highest level craftspeople around them. And most importantly, he's going to get whatever money he wants. People want to have Martin Scorsese films. This is the proof of that. Apple paid $200 million to make this movie. No one else was necessarily going to give it to him, but we do live in a world where someone, Netflix, the last time they were prepared to be the ones. This time it's Apple. It's good for business to be like, oh, hey, we've got the new Martin Scorsese film. That's what we got here. 
Um, yeah, you've kind of covered it all. Just, I'll add, I'm really excited to see the Lily Gladstone, um, who was possibly the best part of certain women, um, the Kelly Riker film, which that is a high compliment given the caliber of actresses around her in that film, Laura Dern, Michelle Williams, Kristen Stewart. So very excited to see her in this. And yeah, Plemons getting a leading role in a film like this. That's great. That's something to be very excited for. Good to see another De Niro Scorsese collaboration. Good to see another DiCaprio Scorsese collaboration. Yeah, sign me up. Like this is one where it felt stupid not putting it on my list, but it also I was like, oh, everyone, everyone's looking for this. It's fine. And you did even better. You you put it into your list, you you step stepped up for me. And we don't have to worry about that. Okay, so number one for me then, you so gracefully left it for me, um, is Wes Anderson's Asteroid City. Uh, just one of my absolute favorite directors with uh, a film that sounds just so perfectly Wes Anderson in the way that people who do not like him would be critical of it for and the way that people who do like him will be like yeah that is made for him and it just seems like it's gonna be good it's just it's so dialed in that you're like i fully believe that that movie is going to be what it needs to be for it to be just an absolute treat for everyone um the synopsis is asteroid city takes place in a fictional american desert town circa 1955 the itinerary of a junior stargazer slash space cadet convention Organized to bring together students and parents from across the country for fellowship and scholarly competition is spectacularly disrupted by world-changing events. This is said to be a romantic comedy? Maybe a romance? I, I don't know exactly what way that's going to be. It's always an interesting part of the game as we kind of touched on with Ari Aster of what exactly that's going to look like. Um, but yeah, it just, it, it's a film that he got to work very, very quickly after, um, finishing the French dispatch. It shot in Madrid, I believe, or in a city outside of Madrid. And I think what was supposed to be like Western locations. So I guess the desert element explains part of that cast just run through <laughs> absolutely insane cast cast Tilda Swinton Adrian Brody Tom Hanks Margot Robbie Rupert Friend Jason Schwartzman Scarlett Johansson Brian Cranston uh, Jeff Goldblum Jeffrey Wright Liev Schreiber Tony Revolori a staple of us Anderson at this point Matt Dillon um, Sophia Lillis Steve Park Maya Hawke Fisher Stevens Ed Norton Steve Carell Hong Chao Willem Dafoe Rita Wilson and Jarvis Cocker Shop with Robert Yeoman as has generally been the case throughout Anderson's career, scored by Alexander Dayspot. It's one of, I think, the great treats with a Wes Anderson movie is that you've just you've got the recurring cast of people. Some kind of rotate out for a movie here or there, some rotate back in, and um, but it extends off the camera too. And they all go and they seem to have a great time and they make movies that I mean I pretty much universally just adore. So, yeah, very, very, very excited for this. What have you got for honorable yeah. mentions? Uh, don't have too many just because, uh, my my list building 
uh, was tough, and I, I, I wasn't looking at the right things. Uh, one thing that jumped out in my mind was challengers, which is uh, uh, Luca Guadagno, like a tennis rom-com drama with Mike Feist, Zendaya, uh, Zendaya and Josh O'Connor. I don't know what that's going to be. It's scored by uh, Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor. Like, cool. Uh, August release date. <laughs> a little concerning. Like, what do they think this is? Is it going to suck? I don't know, but I'm in. Uh, Dune, obviously, the sequel. So Dune Part 2. Uh, John Wick 4. Just some of the big ones that everyone's looking forward to as well. Um, Yeah, I'll let you carry it on from there because I'm sure you have a, a much more cohesive uh, or a uh, complete list of honorable mentions in me. Barbie, obviously. Greta Gerwig. I will watch anything Greta Gerwig's in or directs. We learned last week. Yeah, I have a longer list, so we're not really going to do anything other than basically name these films or maybe a slight detail. And um, poor, poor Things, the next one from Yorgos Lanthimos. The premise upon drowning herself to escape her abusive husband, a woman has her brain replaced with the brain of her unborn child with the help of her father. Starring Emma Stone, Willem Dafoe, Mark Ruffalo, Rami Yusuf, Jared Carmichael, Christopher Abbott, and Margaret Qualley. Count me in. Sounds great. There is a chance that uh, there'll be another Lanthimos film this year as well. And uh, if not, that's probably one that could come out early 2024 and that's held back for award season, which is also possible. You mentioned Cures of the Flower Moon. That's obviously very high on my honorable mentions. The Red Sky, the new Christian Petzold film. Um, reunion with Paula Beer. We've talked about Petzold in the pod before. I am all the way in on anything he does, so a new Petzold film is cause for celebration for me. A uh, film that only doesn't make my list because I was waiting for it in 2022 and no distributors anywhere in the world really stepped up. That is my guy, Paul Schrader's Master Gardener. Uh, I'm hoping we get that early part of this year. I do think it has US distribution now, although I don't think it's dated. So... I hope it gets a date and it gives us some notice so I can get Andrew to watch all Schrader's films and we do a massive Schrader pod. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Like, come on. That's right up there. This is my top tier of honorable mentions and I could not leave off a new Mission Impossible film. I'm excited for Oppenheimer. I'm excited for Barbie. Uh, Pavel Pavlikovsky is supposedly back with a film called The Island starring Joaquin Phoenix and Rooney Mara. Count me in on that. Um, I am not the biggest Ridley Scott fan by any measure. People that listen will know that. Joaquin Felix is Napoleon. I'll be there. I'm interested. Um, Ken Loach, who I believe is 86 now, um, has The Old Oak coming out this year. Talking about like a director that just is not losing his fastball. Very few filmmakers are making kind of social commentary at the level Loach is. That's been true his entire career. It's still true. And with Sorry We Missed You and I, Daniel Blake, both being really, really brilliant films. So I'm excited for The Old Oak. Uh, John Wick 4, of course. Dune Part 2. And Jeff Nichols is back. It's been a while since the Jeff Nichols film. Probably Loving is the last one. Uh, he has a film called The Bike Riders um, with Michael Shannon, his regular collaborator in the lead role there. Interested in that. I've got three films that, I mean, could easily be in my top five. There are rumblings that these are 2023 releases, but I don't know. I'm not entirely convinced. The first of them should be because I think it's it's been in the editing room for a couple of years now. It is, of course, Terrence Malick's The Way of the Wind. 
Uh, this would be my number one if I knew it was coming this year for sure. You know, I might. It might. I think it's possibly the most likely of the the three that I have here to be released this year. Um, I'm also going to mention Dead Leaves, the first film from Aki Karasmaki in a long, long time. I'm trying to think what, what exactly that gap is. Um, but I said, I hope it's 2017. Laharve 2011, like it's quite a break, and they are two absolute knockout films. So, uh, one of the the great directors of world cinema. If Dead Leaves comes out this year, I'll be very excited. And last, but by no means least, um, it's being talked about as a film for the middle of this year. I don't know. I don't believe that. I don't think it. I don't think it's shot yet, and yet it was dubbed. I think GQ reported it as a second quarter twenty twenty three film. Um, it is the new film from the Safdie brothers and Adam Sandler. Uh, about Adam Sandler, I guess it's like Uncut Gems, but this time it's sports cards, right? That's I think essentially what the premise seems to be. Sandler and the Safdies reuniting. I'm there all in so if we're really lucky maybe if we really behave ourselves this year andrew we'll get a safety's adam sandler film um if not though i mean any one of those three could be right pushing for my number one in 2024 when we do this exercise next year really excited for uh another friend to cut me out of their life for recommending a safety adam sandler film <laughs> all right on that note that does it for this episode. Make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. You'll never miss an episode. Whenever we're talking about movies, whenever we're talking about anything else, we'll see what comes next. Some things, we'll have some best of 22 across some different categories. I just need some help. That's what I need. I need some of my GSPN colleagues to be ready to go. Andrew's looking at me. I think Andrew's already excused himself from one part of it, so I just need to I need to recruit a team to help me out on some stuff. But there's some ideas coming there, and we've got plenty of movie talk to come, so we might decide on something else. I've got some ideas, but yeah, you'll you'll find out what the next episode is when it drops. It's a rare occurrence, but I think that's where we'll we'll take it for the moment. Uh, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like, you could also listen to the podcast in a different way. Um, you could join, I guess, the latest extension of our our larger Eurostep Podcast Network community in a place where if you've got thoughts on movies we're talking about, if you want to tell us what your most anticipated movies are for 2023, this is the perfect place to do it. Repod, uh, it's an app for essentially building podcast communities. You can listen to our pods there. We can have back and forth discussion. You can talk with other listeners. You can share your ideas on individual episodes. And you can never miss a, an episode as we go along. So to make sure you're in to make time for this community, join repod.com forward slash make time for this. You can follow us there. Send us any of your thoughts and we'll be we'll be going back and forth. We'll be interacting with you. Your Step Podcast Network, the home for all things Milwaukee books, cruising for a bruising for all things Milwaukee brewers, and talking to Tundra for all things Green Bay Packers. Until next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Adam. Thanks, Adam.
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.